Craig Robinson on. He's on and there's goal of the season, Frank Murphy. Juliano Grazioli. Oh, absolute quality. I'm sure most people would say I was mad. Oh, Ryan Hello and welcome to another episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. Joining me, Ian DL, a man so in love with his computer that when he does decide to venture into the outside world, he'll make you feel more awkward in his presence than watching one of former Barnet midfielder Alan Pardew's touchline dances. It's our podcast producer, James Harrison. Oh, I'm just not sure how to take that one, but uh, uh, it's, it's fine. It's all good. Don't worry. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. I could have done something about the dancing there. It might have been kind of. I wanted to stay on the IT theme. Yeah, thanks. Um, anyway... <laughs> And alongside him, a man who hammers home his opinions with more confidence and force than a Paul Wilson penalty, it's Mr Craig Clayton. I'll take that one as a compliment. Thank you very much. That's a nice one. Nice fight. And I'm delighted to welcome quite literally a Premier League level guest on today's show. Attention! From the army to the top flight in less than two seasons, but in those all-important couple of years, this is a man who started in the army, but was really made in Barnet. 80 appearances between the sticks for the bees saw the big clubs come sniffing and top flight football soon led to international recognition as well. No less than 88 times. 88! One of Underhill's most successful ever exports. Welcome to the podcast, Mike Taylor. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Really appreciate that. Um, before we kind of start going a little bit further in your career and then we'll come back to Barnet, obviously with yep. the fact that you were capped that many times for Northern Ireland. Um, you know, I think in their top 10, certainly, appearances, and we were talking earlier, I think anyone who's played for Barnet has never had any, as many international caps at any country as that. So that's another <laughs> one string to your bow. Um, but I was reading in the prep for this that you played for Northern Ireland, but obviously you were born out of the country and there's not an obvious connection to Northern Ireland there. How did that kind of come about that you selected them to play for? So uh, I was born in Germany, um, and my father being English, my mother German. So I was, uh, at that time, um, there was a little bit of a loophole in that um, I held a British passport. So I was eligible for any of the home countries and obviously uh, Germany. So, um, and at the time I was playing, you know, League One football at uh, Fulham and, um, you know, so far down the pecking order with uh, kind of with England. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Northern Ireland showed an interest, and I thought, thought, thought long and hard about it. And um, but I thought, you know, what a fantastic opportunity that might be. So, and then never looked back. Really, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. So, do you consider yourself kind of a fully, fully Northern Irish? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're playing tonight, actually. So, um, yeah, looking forward to uh, to watching that later on. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, any allegiances to England is kind of long gone, really. I've, I've put my heart and soul into, uh, to uh, you know, every time I wore the, the, the Northern Ireland jersey, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I actually played on the night that, that uh, we beat England 1-0 and my two sons were on the wall behind me, actually. They were they were mascots <laughs> as well. And my, my eldest, who was seven at the time, came out holding David Beckham's hand, you know, so... Very, very <laughs> special memories and uh, moments. So, uh, yeah, fantastic night. Yeah, it sounds pretty... Uh, yeah, it must have been unbelievable that night. And I, sort of going back to when you played for, for Barnet, I guess, and, and getting closer to that point, and, and you, you touched on the fact that you were you were born in Germany. I think it's... Bear in mind, when, when you played for us, we didn't have things like uh, the internet and Google and things like that <laughs> so readily available, funnily enough, at that time. So I think... For a lot of Barnet fans, I think they just assumed you were Northern Irish. It wasn't very easy to come by more information than that at the time. And you didn't make your debut for Northern Ireland, I think, until you'd left Barnet. So I think people just assume that's the case. When we um, Now with the, the benefit of Wikipedia and, and all these other things that you can look at, and obviously talking to you now, mentioning Germany, uh, what what was your um, sort of childhood growing up period like? Were you, were you in Germany a long time? Did you do... I was born in Germany. My father was in the army. Uh, I was born in Germany. Um, we, we moved back to England for four years. Um, so, so obviously, till I was four, and then back to Germany. Then um, and, and and served out the rest of my time for, for another twelve years in Germany, living with my father, um, who was still in the army um, until he, he'd finished his his, his time. Um, and um, and then as a sixteen-year-old. Um, Came back to England, back to the UK, 
Um, and then I joined, I joined the army straight, straight from school myself, um, almost on my 17th birthday, joined, joined straight up and I was in for six years before, um, before, uh, Ray Clements and Barnett came and brought and, me out of the army. And, and had you been involved in football? I mean, you know, living in Germany, it's a big football. I'd never, I'd never, I'd never played in goal till I was 19. Um, living in Germany, I was playing outfield all the time with, with local teams. Uh, played for a county um, outfield, um, and then my father. We, we, we as a family, we, we moved um, to another area of Germany, and um, and it just so happened that the, the the school that I went to, which was local, closed down. So we we're having to commute to school um, every week. So I wasn't able to train with my club at that point. Um, so I just literally just played the games on a Saturday. Um, without any training at all. So that kind of hindered me really and slowed me right up. Everyone else was kind of catching me up and, you know, training two, three times every week. I wasn't training at all. Um, just boarding weekly at school, Monday to Friday, coming home Friday night, playing the game Saturday. And that, that slowed me right down and kind of hindered any opportunity of, of being a, you know, making it as such. But I, 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 don't, I don't think I had the tools to, to, to be a professional outfield player anyway. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't quick enough in, in that case. <laughs> So, uh, um, no, but it was uh, no, great, great times. And it wasn't until I was in the army, 19 years old, that I, that I stumbled across being a goalkeeper. So it was uh, by, by chance, really, yeah. It's one of them. Well, you mentioned that you came back to the UK, I think, did you say 16 years old and you enrolled in the army straight yeah, away? Was that, is yeah, that right? I followed my father's footsteps, yeah. So it just seemed a natural course. You know, I, I knew the army life. Um, you know, having having, you know, been been with an army father, uh, an army parent who's who'd served all the time in the army, so it just was a natural course of, of action for me to go and join the army myself. So, um, thoroughly enjoyed that. Had a great, great, great six years. Um, uh, it got it got to the stage I'd, I'd met my, um, you know, girl that I ended up marrying, and uh, um, you know, the thought of spending six, seven months away from home at that, at that point um, didn't, really, didn't really appeal to me as much as I you know, loved the army life and everything else. Um, all I wanted to do was kind of sport and, and um, uh, you know, play football, really. So um, I was playing at, at the time, I was playing for Farnborough Town, non-league in the National League as it is now. And, um, you know, they, they made me a um, fantastic offer um, to, to come out of the army if that was, if that was a possibility. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was going to ask, you know, it's an interesting re revelation that you sort of said that you never played in goal until you were 19. Quite, quite a few years later, you're playing at a pretty decent level. You know, I think Farnborough would have been uh, Southern Premier or Ryman Premier at the time. And um, Well, I, I came to, I played, I had one season at Peacefield United because out, out my, my, uh, um, Kind of the, the, the guy that run the, the football, the, the my regiment football side. He uh, he he went and managed uh, Petersfield United as well in the, the old Deodora League Div Three at the time, and um, had a season with them. And then um, an army colleague of mine um, was was Pete Beatty was at Farnborough Town, and um, he uh, he he had mentioned me to the, the manager there, and I went along there. Um, but uh, you know, with, with only a season under my belt, really playing in goal. Um, I wasn't quite ready for that, you know, National League standard and um, didn't get straight in. They had an experience, uh, John Power, his name was, he was 34, very experienced at that level. Um, so he, he, you know, I couldn't get in ahead of him. Then I went to, um, I stuck it out until, I can't remember exactly, about Christmas time maybe, and then realised my opportunities at, at Farnborough weren't going to be great. So uh I, I had the op op opportunity to go to Basingstoke, which was one level below, and uh, I played. I played a load of games for them, did very, very well. And then Farnborough asked me to come come back. Um, they they were in the bottom three um, at the time uh, of the national league, and um, I said, "Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I just want to play games, and I'm not interested in coming back just to just to be a number two. And um, and then he said, no, six games remaining, um, you, 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 we'll play you. So I, I went back and uh, unfortunately we got relegated. Um, but then a new manager took over, Alan Taylor, took over from Ted Pierce, And, um, and he, he, he said, look, you know, we're in the B's Romans 
as it was then, Premier. Um, we, we, I want to use my number one next season. So, so I stayed at Farnborough, yeah. The two and a half seasons there, we got promoted back straight, straight. We bounced straight back into the National League. Had another season in the, in the National League then, and then, and then I got the call off Ray Clements. Well, it's, got, it's quite an interesting balance, I guess, at that time for you because, you know, a lot of people at that level, I guess, are playing either their youth team players that have been released and now they're trying to make their way back up through, through non-league or or their players that have sort of hit that level and that's 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 where they're going to be. But for you, you had an established career in the in the army. So so what was it like for you as a balance between, you know, your army career and then actually realising, you know, through your football, you're developing that way. What was what was it, what was the priority, I guess, for you? It's when it, the, the army would, would be officers, I was contracted to the army. So um, if, if any games um, clashed with, with Farnborough and the army, then, then the army took preference. So, um, you know, the, the manager wanted me as number one there. Um, however, he, he had to accept that I was maybe going to miss 10 games of the season because of my commitments with the army. So um, that's kind of where it was really. But um, it was just, just, one of them. Once, once, once. You know, I just wanted to play games all the time, and, that, and that's where I, that's where I gained my all my, my experience by was by playing games. Never really had goalkeeping coach as such. Um, we had uh, we were just part time. We just trained Tuesday and Thursday at Farnborough, you know. So um, and then and then we're just kind of looking forward to um, obviously then, then you know when I get a phone call over the summer. To say that the Barnet would be interested, um, the, the, I was I was, was time barred because I'd passed a course in the army. So I was time barred till the October. I couldn't actually leave Farnborough until the October. So this this contract offer was on the table, but I couldn't get out until October. But then when when Barnet came in and and obviously Ray Clements at the helm, um, the, the pull that he had with the army was was incredible because if you if you're time barred in the army, you cannot leave no matter what. So um, when, when I, I, I went in and spoke to my footballing officer and, and kind of mentioned the situation, because there, there was a paper, I remember a paper cutting, um, and it was um, former England goalkeeper, one soldier. Um, so he, he said, get me that piece of paper, get me that cutting, bring it in to me. And it, was a, it was a Wednesday. I remember it was a lunchtime on a Wednesday, and unless you're on duty, everyone has to do some kind of sport when you're in the army. And, um, and I took it to him straight after lunch. And um, then I get a phone call like 11 o'clock Wednesday night, bring all your gear, you're out by midday tomorrow. It was, it was immediate. They thought it was going to be great PR for the army to let me go um, on the back of Ray Clements, you know. So um, they, they pushed that through straight away, So I was, which enabled me to then, um, you know, join Barnet straight away for the start of pre-season. But just <laughs> that... that 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 was the so the Thursday I was getting out Thursday night was my stag I was going out for a stag oh, night really? I was getting married the Saturday and going away on honeymoon on the Monday <laughs> and, um, and the, but then a week we were supposed to go away for two weeks and I spoke to Ray and um, and I said uh, I said oh, I'm on honeymoon so I'm going to miss the first week of preseason he says well he says young man if you you have any aspirations of playing in my first team he says you, I need you here the first day of preseason so we had to cancel our honeymoon. <laughs> Oh dear! And just go away for one week, yeah. So um, that was that was what it out. Yeah, oh, I'm sure you. I'm sure you made up for it eventually at some point. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so the the, the move to Barnet comes along. Uh, Ray Clemens cuts your honeymoon short. We uh, we saw it noted down as a seven hundred pounds transfer fee from Farnborough. I don't know how much uh, truth there is, but I wondered what you could tell us just about how that whole move came about and what your early interaction with Ray Clemens was like. So I, I get a phone call off, um, I think it was the kit man, um, and uh, just kind of introducing himself um, and who he was and uh, if I'd be interested in, in making a go of it full-time as a footballer. Um, and if so, then uh, Ray Clements would give me a call in 20 minutes' time. So uh, obviously I was very, very excited about the prospect and... Um, and then uh, it seemed like a very long time, that phone call, and uh, eventually it, it, it rang. And uh, yeah, I spoke to Ray, and he, he, said, he said that um, um, all the, the scouting reports all season long, you know, they haven't, they've, they've been watching me at Farnborough um, all season long, and the reports are very, very good and, um, uh, from his point of view, but he'd never watched me himself. Um, would I be free to go and train at Barnet um, for a couple of hours? Um, and this was kind of 
four or five weeks after the end of the season. So hadn't done any kind of goalkeeping at that point. So, um, but yeah, um, packed my bags and went up for a two-hour training session with him and uh, two of the two of the academy players. And um, yeah, he put me through my paces and she liked what he saw. And um, yeah, we went back to the back to the stadium and uh, kind of agreed a few things. But then it was it was then trying to you know speak to the army because I was time barred till the October. So this this was in, in early June now. So um, and it was it was kind of how you know what the process was and on, on, on getting me released from the army if at all possible. Um, I, I went and spoke to a footballing officer, and he said, "Look, the best you can hope for first of October, you you can go then. However, bring me that paper cutting in. Um, you know, former England goalkeeper, once soldier, bring that in." Um, so I took that in, and literally the next day, I was out. So I was told, "Bring all your gear. You're out. You're out by midday today." So. So it went, it went as quick as that, and uh, you know, obviously they, they thought it was great PR. They knew my intentions; that I wanted to go anyway. Um, and the opportunity was there, so they thought they'd use it for themselves as well. So um, it was uh, no, I had fantastic times in the army. Do you know what I mean? But I kind of met 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 the, the wife at that point, and, and everything else. And it just didn't kind of fit that um, you know to to, to to carry on the career really in the army when there's an opportunity to be a footballer. You know, let's, let's be honest, we all we all we all aspire. <laughs> love to be a footballer do you know what I mean growing up so um, yeah the opportunity was there and that was it you know had to take it if I could that that transition from army to football like in terms of full-time football how different mm-hmm. was that as, as, as a shift for you for you personally in terms of getting used to uh, the difference in uh, approach was there was there much that you had to change from your own approach to to make it as a professional footballer it was it was it was it was massive um, in terms of my life away from football, if you know what I mean. Because you know, from from having everything done for you, and I was living I was living um, on camp. Um, you know, all my money was sorted, everything else, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're thrown into the, to Civvy Street, as it is, um, and then having to try and find a house, and you know pay bills and all that everything was all kind of taken care of before so it was all brand new to me you know and uh, um, so it was different different in that perspective but in in a, in a in a work you know physical you know make no two bones about it being a professional footballer is is is, is physically hard if you if you want to kind of get on in the game and, and do the best you can do but but that was something that I that, that I absolutely loved while I was in the army you know that, that that never ever phased me, never bothered me. I, I, I look forward to getting, you know, hammered in the running and everything else. So, um, you know, and that, that time just coming out of the army and straight into football, I, I was mega fit at that point. You know what I mean? It was, uh, um, it was. Uh, I remember Lee Harrison came in as well. Like, and him and I would would right at the front in the all the running and everything else at that point in our careers. You know, so. Uh, it was uh, not, none of that phased me at all, um, and it, it's something I've carried on right the way through now. You know, um, games change dramatically now, and uh, uh, I think some of the, some of the, the moaning that the lads do now for a little bit of running for twenty minutes is just uh, you know they just have no idea you know what what the army life is like you know in terms of what your body can actually cope with and what what it can put up with you know sports science is coming now and kind of taking over really now, but. Um, no, that 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 side of it, I relished that. You know, I couldn't couldn't do enough time on the training ground really, and and, and that's where I really really learned. Um, and I'd, I'd always ask Ray to, to stay behind because he, he was busy. He was obviously the manager, so he was busy taking you know leading the whole squad as, as a whole. But then after the training, I'd always ask him for another half an hour, um, so we'd he'd get a couple of the young lads over, and then we'd do our little bits then. But, but then I learned as, as we went along, you know, from game to game, we, I'd always sit down and speak to him. Was there any, any queries I had? We, we'd look over, um, you know, clippings of the games and stuff, and and uh, that, that that's where I, where I learned um, really really quickly um, under his guidance. Yeah, for sure. I bet uh, a lot of some thinking pre-sport science era, some of the players in the nineties squad. Would have really loved you being at the front as a goalkeeper in the running. I bet you were popular with your teammates at times. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, we, had, we had a good we had a good group there, at Barnet. To be fair, um, they're, they're all they're all good runners. Um, but no, the, the, the times have changed. You know what I mean? It, it, you always have a small little drinking culture in that back then. Do you know what I mean? But nowadays, the lads are just ripped to shreds. Um, that that's long gone. You know, and we're in a, a world of 
you know, camera phones and everything else. The lads can't get away with stuff that we could get away with in, in years gone by. So, uh, you know, they're very, very, you know, professional now. And, uh, you know, the, the, they might have a couple of weeks down time at the end of the season, but they're, they're, they're straight back at it, raring to go again, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not something you have to kind of monitor so much anymore like we used to in them days, for sure. Yeah, I mean, so obviously we talked a bit about the fact that Clements was the manager and what a massive pull that would be for a goalkeeper anyway. I'm just wondering, in terms of obviously your wider career, what went on from Barnett as well, where would he rank in terms of managers that you played under? Because I guess for a goalkeeper, you know, he went, he went on, he left Barnett to be the England goalkeeper coach. You almost couldn't have a more specialist manager to suit your position at that point in your career. Yeah, I mean, I, I, let's be honest, I, I, would, I, would, I would have come out of the army and, and, and gone to any any football club, do you know what I mean? But to have him there, I, 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 while I was in the army, I, I went on five trials to other clubs. Um, and, and, you know, I, Glenn Hoddle, I went to Swindon, I went to Portsmouth twice, Bristol Rovers, uh, Sheffield United. And, and for one reason or another, um, things didn't work out. And then, and then you get your ex England goalkeeper, ex England goalkeeper, um, is the only one that showed faith in me, you know, and believed in me. So, um, so the move happened, um, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, obviously learned loads from him. Um, my debut didn't go down as as well as I liked. Um, it was, uh, I don't know if you remember it, but um, we played we played away at Hereford. <laughs> and we, uh, we weren't going to bring it up <laughs> yeah so so we took we're two nil down and then and then the, the, the opposing goalkeeper about about five minutes before half time yeah just just launched a kick long and it was, it was i just remember that all the grass was burned it was kind of yellow and rock pitch was rock hard and um you know i was still relatively inexperienced you know what i mean it was my first ever professional game as a goalkeeper and uh, the balls kind of bounced over me Strikers coming in, and I'm disorientated now. I catch the ball, striker challenges me, both fall in the goal, and I throw the ball out. And um, and the lineman's not even over the eight yard box yet. He's not even caught up with play, you know. And um, I remember looking at the post and, and thinking that that ball's never crossed the line. But I, I got up, got the ball, and the lineman starts flagging, saying it's crossed the line because the fans were screaming and shouting. So he's give the goal. So I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm gonna battered here by Ray when we go into the dressing room and um and he was he was really calm he says just don't worry about it he said if you had held on to the ball and fell in the goal with it you'd have probably got the free kick against you but he says, just don't worry about it it's just one of them things so we come out the second half and um we're now we're now in the essence Ray had a few choice words to say at half time um got lads organized um give him a bit of a roasting and um we come out we get a goal back and we'd, we'd throw in the kitchen sink at them I remember and um, couldn't get that second goal to get back in the game. And um, it's about five minutes before the end of the game. Ball gets knocked over the top. And, I did, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm onto it just ahead of the striker. And um, I didn't just want to boot it into the stand because we're chasing the game here. You know, we're two, we still need two goals. So I thought he's, he's, he's coming at me really fast here. I could literally just touch this to the side of him. And he's not going to turn and get after me. It'd be easy. You know, I've done this a million times before. I used to play outfield and this, that. Anyway, it's, it's, it hit the floor, come up, hit my shin. It was the worst touch in the world. Went forward, hit the striker's shin, fell in behind me. And he's just run around me and just walked it into the goal. And, um, and then I come off and I've got in the dressing room and I've had the biggest hair dry treatment ever from Clem. Oh, <laughs> He's like, you're not Bruce Grobler. You never effing will be in this, that. And I'm like, oh, geez. This is my, um, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, maybe I'm not cut out to be a professional footballer, you know. And uh, um, But then um, the next uh, the next game is a midweek game. Um, it's one of the Carling Cup games, I think it was. We had Charlton, who were in, the, in the, the League One Championship, as it is now, two leagues above us. And, um, and we got a nil all. And... Um, got man of the match and stuff so it was kind of like right that's it now you, you, you kind of you know you can't handle this now do you know what I mean the confidence all came flooding back and everything else and it was it well, they never looked back really so I mean you described that though or that game and then obviously the one after so clearly as if it's almost uh, yesterday for well, you I got I of it at Christmas because we, we all put five pound in and um, the captain and one other player 
um, went out and bought Christmas presents for the lads. So we all had to put a fiver in there to go out and buy <laughs> silly little Christmas presents. And, um, and then we'd have to walk up in front of all the lads to, to a bit of theme music. And I had to walk up to, I'm in the army now. And it, and it, was, a, it was a video, VHS <laughs> of my debut. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I've got, so, uh, I've got, I've got to say one of my first experiences of Barnet because I was probably eight or nine years old when that game was played was Danny Baker used to make a load of videos about right, yeah. about, about certain yeah. um, you know things that happened on the pitch and and that yeah. game <laughs> was on it unfortunately uh, for yourself and um, yeah I that actually was... got that video um, DVD for Christmas or for some for some reason not knowing I was on it. And then saw myself on it. <laughs> well, that looks good. Oh, it's me! <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Who knew what would happen from that that point onwards? But uh, yeah, it was all good yeah. in the end. Yeah, easy recognisable in those goalkeeper kits that season as well. We weren't, we weren't missing anyone in them. No. Um, yeah, so a moment ago, you briefly alluded to the squad there at the time you came in. Um, if you look back at it now, there's some pretty big names by the standards of Barnet. Uh, you know, very briefly, you and Dougie Freeman were at the club together. Then you had Limboy Primus, Alan Pardew, Lee Hodges, Sean Devine. Lots of really quality players in there. Um, and in terms of those teammates and characters, I was wondering kind of who stood out for you and helped you settle in. And was there that kind of mid-90s drinking culture within the squad? Or was it all a bit more professional by that point? No, the... the we uh, we had our moments where we were all there and, and did you know a little bit of team bonding all together. Do you know what I mean? But there, there, there wasn't a, a, a bad drinking culture by any stretch. No, the lads all really wanted to do well. Um, Ray Ray you know Ray didn't mind the lads letting their hair down from time to time. But but he was you know he was he was uh, um, no one wanted to upset Ray. Do you know what I mean? It's, he he had a big you know his. Uh, is a big, big character. Do you know what I mean? And um, you know, no one, no one mess with Ray. He, 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 you know, you'd get sorted out. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but now they're really, really good, they're a good group of lads there. You know, and we just fell just short at the end of that first season, and um, it was disappointing. But we, uh, it was, you know, please, please. But it was just, a, it was just, a, it was just a. From from a personal point of view as well, because I just remember the game at Leighton Orient. Um, two of the goals were my fault. And we lost three two, and that 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 kind of our chances of getting in the playoffs then would 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 down to that that game really. Um, that was at the end of it, you know. And I remember Ray sticking up for me after that game as well, you know. So a couple of lads were giving him, giving me a bit of a hard time, but it's only because they, they they really we desperately wanted it. Do you know what I mean? So, um, but no, that them two. You know that that game kind of sticks out. I thought that's that, for that season first, the first two matches, and then um, there was a couple of games against West Ham as well in there, um, in one of the cup games, um, and then uh, then the, the, that game I remember as well. Yeah, the late Norwich games, two, two of the goals were my fault. So unfortunately, yeah, we just fell short for the playoffs that season. But we had a good group of lads there, like you say, you, you, you've named all the ones there. Um, Dougie Freeman was 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 you know so far good for that level. Um, he was absolutely brilliant, you know, and it was a big, big loss to lose him during the course of the season. Then, um, you know, Sean Devine was banging goals in. I'm surprised that he didn't go on really play a lot higher than than what he did really um, for the season that he had there. But um, lots of limp Limboy went on, had a great career. Alan Pardew, you could already already see that he he was going to go on to into the coaching and management. You could see that already. Um, he used to. He used to go and do do some of the coaching and take take the lads away and stuff like that, you know, while while he was there. So um, now it, it was a good mix of, of experience and young lads coming through, you know. So, but then obviously then 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 Ray goes and you know gets the opportunity with him to do the England goalkeepers, and um, you know we we had to kind of try and move on. Really, um, we had no goalie coach there then, so um, Terry Bullivant took over at that point, and he, he had connections at Chelsea. So every Thursday I used to go and train. Trained with uh, all the Chelsea keepers and, and Eddie Nislicki was their goal, first team goalie coach then. So I used to go and train with them once a week, which was which was, which was great. Now you spoke about that first season where we didn't quite make the playoffs. We finished ninth in the end, and uh, you know you've played more or less every game in that season. Which after the first game, as you spoke about, must have been you know a bit of a pipe dream for you. It's like what was what was the um, sort of development process like for you as a professional footballer? Going from you know the army and and being sort of semi-pro to playing you know every every season in a professional professional setup. 
every game of the season in a professional setup. Sorry, I, I just, I just, you know, I worked really hard for the six years in the army. You know, for obvious reasons. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, it's not easy. Um, so you know, I, I got the opportunity to be become a footballer, and and I just, I just, you know, I thought. I had a really good work ethic physically anyway, you know, um, and, and that, that'll never leave me, you know, the body, your body gets older, but your mind's still, still young, you know, but, um, it was, uh, it was, um, I just, I just thought, you know what, if, if I, if I stay, if, if, if this is the only opportunity I'm going to have and I have one or two years in league two, then, then I don't want to have any regrets. So, and by that, I always, I always tell you know everyone that I work with now. The only regret you'll ever have is 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 not is your work ethic and not and not trying your hardest. And then that's a bare minimum requirement. That you give it your all. And then if 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 you just lack a little bit of luck or or you know if if I just wasn't good enough, I could hold my hands up because I couldn't give it anymore. And and that was kind of my my mentality, my philosophy about it. I just just take each game. I'm not going to get too. I did used to take defeats badly. Um, and it used to ruin my weekend. I just couldn't wait to get back in on the training ground again on Monday um, to try and put it right and wait for the next, you know, the next game couldn't come around quick enough. Um, and, you know, just because just I'm, I'm, I'm just obsessed with winning, you know, I've got, I've got a real, um, I hate losing. I'm a proper bad loser, you know, now I have a game of tennis, a game of golf and I hate, I hate it with a passion. So, <laughs> Um, it's just that's just that's just in 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 me. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, that that will never go. Um, so it was just I, I was just I was just gonna give it my all, and um, wherever my career path took me, whatever you know, everything. All I can control is what I is, is what I can control, and everything else out of my hands. You know, so um, I just prepared properly for every single match. But it's human nature you're gonna make mistakes along the way. I remember I remember dropping a because because I, I, I used to come for quite a lot of crosses and. And Clem loved that. And um, I remember dropping one when there was nobody near me. Um, and I'm already half looking where I'm going to throw this. And I just dropped it, which, which you know, I could catch that a thousand times with my eyes closed. And um, it fell straight at the striker's feet and he tapped it in the goal. And I thought I was going to get a roast. And then this is about 10 games in. And, um, but, but Ray was brilliant. And uh, the way he spoke to me after that, and he said, um, he said, I'll take one of them every 10, 12 games. You just keep coming. And that just, just, just took, the, it took the shackles off and just took all the pressure off. And I just thought, right, I'm, I'm going to, you know, when you've got that kind of support, it just gives you the license to come in there. And, you know, I'd say, say to, when I'm, I'm goalkeeping coach now and, uh, you know, I speak to the manager. And um, so you can't, you can't, if you want the goalie to come off his line and come and catch a cross, you can't hammer him if he, if he drops one. Because you know he's coming through bodies, he's going to get bumped, and, and he's not going to be able to take them all. So you you have, you have to support him then. Otherwise, otherwise he's, he's going to be a bit reluctant to come. Then he's going to stay on his line more, you know. So you need the support of the manager, and that's exactly what I got from them. Then it was just like, just you know. And, and when you start coming more, then the, the players get to know you. Then they start getting around you. They start just, well, Mike's going to come and catch you. Someone's just going to block the striker just to give him an easy ride. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's you all help each other out, you know. So. Um, and it, it was just one of them that, you know, I, I could make a world-class save and, and, and there's, there's no congratulations off the lads. It's kind of, well, you're goalie, that's what you're there for. But you come and take the pressure off and catch a cross. It's like, we love that. We don't have to <laughs> go our head on it. You know what I mean? It's, it, was, it was just the best thing ever. Like, so, um, it's, uh, so no, so, so, so that was it really. I was just, I just wasn't going to leave any, I was not going to have any regrets. I was just going to go full on. And, and, and if I, if I didn't, you know, play any higher then then so be it. I could live with that. No problem at all. But I was just going to work my, my hardest every single day that I was in. I was going to get something. We can all have a bad day at the office, you know, in, in any, any, any walk of life you go in and things just, you know, you know, it's going to be a bad day and stuff, but, um, but it, not for, not for not trying my hardest, you know what I mean? So that was it. I think, Quite funny, really, because we've, we've weirdly spent more time talking about the one or two things that maybe weren't quite perfect in what was otherwise a really, really good season for you, I think. And it's probably a bit of a misrepresentation of, uh, of, of, of what you were like as a Barnet goalkeeper. I think you, you mentioned Friedman being um, a long way better than that level. And I think uh, it wasn't a surprise to anyone at Barnet that, uh, that you ended up moving pretty quickly and went on to do uh, what you did. I think, um, I think also... Surprise you mentioned. 
got well. <laughs> yeah. no, but no, I'm, being, I'm being serious, but that, that was where my head was. Do you know what I mean? I, ne- I never thought I was going to be good enough. So, so that's why I was every day hard work, hard work, hard work, hard. And, and, and you know, and you, you never believe you're too good because, you know, ended up playing League Two football. You want to aspire. Every professional should aspire to be playing at the top level, you know? So, and, and then it's, uh, yeah, so, you know, people, you know, people talk about it and just kind of flat you a little bit and you, 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 you can kind of ride on that, the, the confidence that gives you, but you can't, you can't get, um, you, you can't get involved too much in that side of it because that's out of your control, you know, all you can control is, is your next performance, your next performance, how, how you, you prepare for each game, you know, and um, just, just, I was, I was always open-minded to any, any kind of, you know, sports psychology, any, anything. I was open-minded to anything and, and that, that wasn't for me. I didn't need motivating, you know, from, from the army background to that, I didn't need motivating like that. Lots of lads do now, each to their own, but I'd, I'd try it just to try and get an extra inch here and there. Do you know what I mean? Just to try and better myself that little bit more. And, um, um, you know, so I was I was always open to, to anything like that, just to try and get you know an advantage somewhere and try and do something that better. So that was it. Well, I, I guess it worked um, because uh, yeah. the, the interest that came in pretty quickly. Uh, you know, after that that big season, I guess. Um, did were you aware at that time of interest in you? Um, I suppose mindful that I think Lee Harrison came in just before you went as well. So maybe he was being brought in as your your understudy, ready to take over at some point. I think he even mentioned that. Um, just before Ray Clements left, there might have been a deal that looked like you were going to go at that point as well. And then when Ray left, that that fell through. I don't know if that's how you remember it. I don't, I don't recall um, too much interest while Ray was there for that first season. Um, I do remember speaking to Harry Redknapp after the West Ham game. And uh, him and Frank Lampard Sr. kind of both were walking by to get on the team coach. And they, and they, they just had a quick 30-second chat and... Asked me if, if I, you know, if I, if I was ambitious, if I wanted to play at high level, and, and, and everything else. Obviously, I'd, I'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, but, but that was as far as that got. There was, a, there was, there was, there was a little report in a newspaper that, that West Ham were interested, but, um, but, but other than that, you know, nothing um, until uh, it was about a week before I signed for Southampton. Um, I found out that Manchester City had made an offer for me um, in the region of half a million or something. And um, Tony Clampos, um called me up and um, basically said that the club had turned it down. Um, obviously, you're very disappointed, you know, paid 700 quid for me, which, which, is, which is the truth, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, um, not even 18 months later, they've, they've got half a million pound bid on the table. Um, and, he, and he turns it down. Um, I was, uh, you know, not, not the happiest about that. But um, but but he, you know, he believed that I was worth um, more than that, and um, and just to be patient, um, and you know, he won't stand in my way. Um, should should an offer come in that, that, that they would that they would accept, and then a week later, <coughs> um, he phones me up again, and. Um, and he said, um, he said, who did you support as a, as a boy growing up? And I said, Southampton. He went, right, so we've agreed a fee with Southampton. Um, so if, 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 you, if, you, if you want to go and speak to them, um, then uh, Graham Soonis will give you a call in, in half an hour. So I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it was, you know, it was, uh, it's, just, it's just one of them that's this, you know, I love my time at Barnet, but, but you, can't, you can't say no to something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, and I, I think... I think everyone understands that. Do you know what I mean? I, I did my best for Barnet, um, but then an opportunity that comes along um, that, that that's good for Barnet in terms of the monies that they receive from me. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, good for me, and um, I like to think it was it was good for Southampton. You know, so um, yeah, so I went and went and spoke to them. Yeah, and uh, that was it. Did you have um, to did the um, go on. did the, the transfer fee itself? Obviously, we say you know, turned down half a million, got even more than that in the end, which. Yeah. Uh, maybe some of the lower league money that was flying around in that mid-90s period to late 90s was more than it actually went on to be a few years later but did that does that come into it at all for you and obviously you say you signed for £700 you've gone for 
several hundred thousand pounds. Mm. Was that in your mind at all? Or was it purely, you know, the fact that you're moving from Division 3 as it was then to the Premier League, to the club you supported as well? Um, what, as a, as a kind of a monetary thing? Was it, well, the... Yeah, it, is that something that's, that plays on your mind as well? The, the fact that there's that fee involved? No, just it just that that that's something. Yes, that's, that's again that's out of my control. That's that's something the clubs. Um, that, you know, if if, if Southampton have had, had offered hundred million, and, um, it, 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 it makes not. You know, it's like you know Pogba getting signed for hundred million. Um, the, the price tags out of our control is absolutely nothing to do with us. It's it's what our club values you you at. You know, the, the club that you contracted to, and what someone's prepared to pay for you. You know, it's. It's like selling your house for for you know hundred grand, and, and you've got two two bidders for it. You might get hundred and twenty grand for it. You know, it's just it's just the way it works, really. But I know the the, the numbers have gone crazy in football, of course they have. But um, no, that wasn't. There was nothing that you know. I was, I was earning three hundred and seventy five pound a week at Barnet. It was it was it was tough to try and to live to to pay your bills. You know, I used to get a forty quid clean sheet bonus, which. Which might pay the phone bill, and I, I remember keeping the clean sheet and giving it a thumbs up to my missus up in the stand. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and you know we we we'd go out, we'd go out for to to a harvester or, or a, a cinema cinema night once a month. That's all we could afford once the bills were paid. You know, so it was a tough tough time. So um, you know, it was the first question that I got asked when I went to Southampton when I when I did the um, all the media work there, and uh, and um, they're asking you know pressure played in the Premiership and everything. Else. I was like, I can enjoy my football now. Actually, there's no pressure now to pay my bills at home. Do you know what I mean? That's more pressure, far more pressure when you're when you, you know, when you're playing for for, for peanuts and, and and you've got bills to pay. That's that's big big pressure there. Um, so now you can kind of enjoy. I wasn't on a fantastic wage at Southampton even in the Premiership at that, that, that stage. Do you know what I mean? Sky had not not been in too long. Do you know what I mean? The wages weren't astronomical then, you know. Um, but it was obviously. A lot more than I was earning at Barnet, and didn't have to worry about paying the phone bill then. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so I could just knuckle down and just get on with the football, and after you know that was a, that was a, a worry that was taken away from me. And, and you know, as, as much as, and I never really enjoyed the game because I was so intense, so desperate to do well that, that until that final whistle went on any game, um, I couldn't enjoy that that particular game. You know, so. Um, just to, just for the reasons like you know trying to pay bills and stuff like that so um yeah it was just just one of them so that was it was it was, it was an easy transition in that I, I could play 11 v 11 on the training ground and, and nobody's watching or there's fifty thousand people there it meant it didn't didn't matter to me i, I was thick-skinned i was you know i spent six years in the army which toughened me up you know it, it really didn't bother me um it was uh, it was just eleven v eleven on a, on a green pitch. It didn't matter. So that was uh, but a lot of that stems from 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 Ray really take, taking the pressure off by that by that one comment early on in my career. So um, yeah, it was uh, yeah, that was it really. And aside from from the money that you mentioned and uh, being able to enjoy it, I suppose because you had the, the the comfort with your home life at that point, I guess uh, because of that. How different was? being a Southampton player to being a Barnet player? I mean, there'd be some obvious ones, maybe some less obvious ones, but was it a game-changing moment or for you, was that just an, another job and it was the next level? No, it was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it's just surreal because I grew up a Southampton fan, you know, and I remember standing behind the goal, um, Matt Letizia is warming up with Tim Flowers in goal and Alan Shearer there. Um, and uh, when I was in the army and I remember, uh, I was, I was, I was, because it was terracing then. So I was about 20, 20 rows back from behind the goal, and Alan Shearer was crossing him, and Matt Lettis was volleying him at the goal in the warm up. And he's clipped the top of the crossbar, and it's flown over. And I've jumped up and caught the ball. <laughs> and um, everyone's just like laughing around me, like, get him in goal, get, sign him up, sign him up. <laughs> and, all that. and then, like a year later, I'm signing for them, like, properly. <laughs> It was uh, quite surreal, you know, sitting in the dressing room with with people names that you know, you know. It was uh, that you watch it on match of the day and stuff like that. That 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 was that was uh, that, that was kind of bizarre, really. Um, and it, it, it took a little while, you know, just on the even on the training field, just the the, the levels and stuff, you know. It was uh, um, it was 
it was just this, you know, it's this, it's this, it's the, it's the pinnacle, really. Do you know what I mean? It's just where you, you you work so hard, and it's where you want to play. You can't, you can't. It's just, it's just complete, so different to playing outside the Premiership to playing the Premiership. You know, just everything that goes with it, um, just the, the media following, you know, coming up to the. You know, the coming up to the stadiums and so much commotion going on outside. It's, 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 it's you know, just, it's just the numbers are, are, are so much more, you know. Um, remember pulling up to, to away games at Barnet and you, you, you've got like, you know, 200 Barnet fans there and you're thinking like, you know, you, you, you work so hard when you, you, you're travelling everywhere, all, you know, all over the country to come and watch Barnet play. Like, you know, the, the pressure, they hate, hated letting them down, do you know what I mean? It was that desperation to do well for, for for them as well, you know, as well as, as as much as we wanted to win. But but we knew you knew you're gonna make everyone else this weekend worthwhile. Do you know what I mean? And put a smile on their face going back into work on Monday, you know. So that that that's why I, I took I took getting beat quite badly, um, and it ruined my weekend. You know, I didn't didn't want to go out. Didn't want to show face out, and um, I just wanted to get back in on Monday and, and start working again and and prepare for the next one to try and put it right. You know, so. But um, no, it's all, all just all just it was just on a, just a much bigger scale, just a mega scale. But but and I used to get a bit nervous on the team coach, you know, pulling up at the stadium and seeing all that commotion going on outside and drink the, they're in the pubs and drink the beers and eating the burgers and everything else. But once the warm up started, then it's literally it's eleven eleven on that green pitch and that was it, no problem at all. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned obviously it's the, the pinnacle going to the Premier League. I mean, I didn't know the Southampton fan. Bit as well, which is really interesting that you know you sort of fulfilling a boyhood dream as well of playing for your club, let alone at the top flight. Obviously, your spell there wasn't maybe as as long as it might have been, but looking at your career as a whole and what happened next, you maybe had the foresight to make the move that you did next. Obviously, you went from there to Fulham later in the same calendar year. Um, was that move kind of made in mind of knowing how ambitious Fulham were at the time? Obviously, a little bit later, Kevin Keegan comes in, you get the experience of winning two promotions with them. Um, and you know, being part of something really special, there. Did you kind of know that that was a journey you were going to kind of go on? Because obviously, it's a bit of a gamble, maybe, to take that drop, having got to the Premier League, to go back down a little bit. Yeah, no. So, so I, I, you know, loved it at Southampton. Absolutely loved it. I played. I, I joined there. Played every game to the end of the season. Um, we were in a big relegation dogfight. Avoided relegation, and then Graham Sooners left. Then over the summer, and uh, Dave Jones came in with him uh, to take over from Stockport which is league one as it is now, two leagues below. And he brought Paul Jones with him from Stockport. So he, he hadn't watched us play a single game um, and brought Paul Jones with him. That was the, the first signing that he made um, immediately. So um, so I never I never got a fair chance. And I said that to him, to, to, to Dave Jones. I, was, I really, really tried harder than ever to get back in that team. And um, um, it just didn't it didn't seem that, that, that it mattered. And uh, Dave Jones pulled one day in, in uh, late October, uh, late November. And, um, you know, I, I still had three and a half years on my, on my deal at Southampton. I signed a four year deal. This, this was, this was just a, m- a month short of um, being there for a year. And, um, and he pulled me and said, uh, he said, um, he said, look, you know, um, we've accepted a bit off uh, Fulham for you. And Kevin Keegan, uh, um, so you you know you can go and speak to them if you want. I said, well, not really interested in being honest. I said, you know, I support Southampton growing up as a kid, absolutely love it here. Um, just had a new 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 son on the way, you know, that's, that's here now. Um, it's just been born. Um, still got a long time on my contract. Um, if, you, if if you can promise me a fair a fair fight, I'm I'm prepared to to, to scrap it out and wait for my opportunity and take it when I get it. And um, that that kind of took him um, back a little bit, and uh, and then he said uh, he said, well, the, the chairman wants to recoup the money that we've paid for for, for Jonah, and I said, well, I don't really care what the chairman says. If you're telling me, <laughs> manager, that you're going to give me a fair fight, then I want to stay and fight for my fight fight for my spot because you know I'm, I'm confident that I can do that. And um, and then he went, oh well, and, unless Jonah gets injured, you're not going to play, and that was it then for me. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I think I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to just turn up and pick up my money, um, and 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 not play. There's just no. That's just not in my DNA. So, um, I don't believe I would have gone to another 
League One club without the ambition that Fulham had and Kevin Keegan being there at the helm. Um, no chance of that. I, 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 would, I would have stayed at Southampton um, and, and maybe, maybe gone one level down. I wouldn't have dropped two levels. Um, <clears throat> but then within five minutes of being in Kevin Keegan's company um, and him kind of explaining the ambition the club had and how fired was, was pumping money in and, and the, the calibre of players that they were talking about, bringing in Chris Coleman and the, these kind of players. Um, it just sounded a, a fantastic opportunity. And, a, you know, there's only one place the club were going to go, um, signing that kind, them kind of players in League One. The, the club was just going to go on and on and on. And, and, and that was that, that attracted me, really. I, there's, no, there's no other League One club could have tempted me away from Southampton at that point. Um, you know, and so so that was it, really. You know, um, and then and then, yeah, had six fantastic years at, at Fulham, um, and then uh, got the opportunity with Northern Ireland while I was there. Yeah. And of course, you moved on to, to to Birmingham City afterwards, where you know for for a long time uh, during perhaps one of the most successful areas in areas in their most recent history. You know, you're a mainstay in the side, both in the Premier League and then got relegated to the championship but then came straight back up again. You know, that experience there must have been must have been a great one as well. Yeah, so I um we just got promoted at hunt finished 105 points or something in the championship with Fulham and um John Tigana playing some outstanding football. We had an unbelievable team there. Louis Sarr up front um was was, was incredible. Um great, great times. And then um we he tried to sign Yanana Ruza, who went to uh, Liverpool, and he tried to sign the big Czech Republic lad, uh, Jan Kola, he, and he he, oh, yeah. he he said no. He went to Dortmund. So Tigana had already um, turned down um, Van der Sar and uh, David James as well, and um, and he said no. Mike's had an amazing season. He's my number one. But then but then he just he he. he he pulled me in his office one day and said, I'm really, really struggling to, to sign any players. No one's heard of Fulham. They're worried that we're going to go straight back down. I need one marquee signing to attract other players. And he said, I can only apologise, but it's Edwin van der Sar. And <laughs> the signing for a million quid, like, it's just ridiculous because he, he'd had some problems over at his club. He'd, he'd made a, 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 a big rick at a local derby or something like that. He was telling us. And just fell out of favour. They went and spent 32 million on Buffon. So, um, and yeah, we signed him for a million quid. And each year that he stayed was an extra million quid. So, just it was a no-brainer. I understood it. I was obviously disappointed in my position, but 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 on the back of that season, I still felt that I could fight anyone at that point. Do you know what I mean? I was so confident. But then he come in, and he's just an. He's just so so good. It's just ridiculous. And and you kind of you know, you know I learned a lot from him. Um, for the level, you know, he's a Champions League winner. Learned so much from him. Um, with all due respect to all the other people that play with, this is this is just there's levels. Do you know what I mean? And he yeah. is right, right up there. Um, so I never never played that first season. And uh, Tigana said, Look, I, I need two keepers in the Premier League. So he said, So I, I can't let you go right now. He said, um, but if you still feel the same way that you want to leave in a year's time, then then I'll I'll, I'll honour it and not stand in your way. So um, I didn't play at all that season, uh, apart from a, a couple of early rounds of the cup games. And then um, the very last game of the season, uh, we, we were mid-table or something. And um, Edwin was injured, so I played Blackburn away and nil-nil at half-time. And then, and then I, I made a rick to go one-nil down. Andy Cole scored. And then uh, we ended up losing three-nil. And it was just the worst, the longest summer ever. The worst summer ever. But then, my, then nothing. Nobody came in for me then because my stock's gone from so high, where teams may have been interested on the back of the promotion season from the championship. Now I've not played a whole season, and then I make the rick in the very last game of the season, which everyone remembers. Now that now the phone wasn't ringing, so I had to kind of just suck it up and just carry on um, at Fulham. And um, I absolutely love the club. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm not going to play because Van der Sar is in my way. So, um, so we, we, I carry on all the way up, and then and then it was, it was, uh, I think it was the game before Boxing Day. We were away at Newcastle, and uh, 
Edwin, Edwin hurt his foot. So, um, so I come on in that game and then I played every game. We're in a relegation dogfight. We played, I played every game then to the end of the season. And the last six games of the season, Van der Sar's on the bench, which a lot of people forget. So, because I was doing so well, he left me in the team and left, put Edwin on the bench. So um, we avoid relegation on the last day. And then, um, <clears throat> and then over the course of the summer, the manager pulls me, uh, Chris Coleman, and he said, um, he said, look, Birmingham have come in for you. Um, here's a new contract offer on the table. Uh, another three years, we, we, want, we desperately want you to stay. Edwin's still here. Um, I can't guarantee that you're going to be number one next year. Um, I'll give you a fair fight. And, but I just didn't think, even of the manager saying that, you know, he's, he's, he was, his wages were astronomical. Um, he is such an unbelievable goalkeeper. I just felt that it would be an unfair fight because uh, if he starts with me on the back of the previous season, if I make one mistake, the board are going to be get putting pressure on him, the fans possibly um, to put Edwin in. You know, he's sitting there on the bench. I just felt he's, he's so good. You know, he's world-class. You know, we're talking, you know, right at the very top. Um, that I just didn't feel that I was going to get, you know, a fair fight for that for that reason. So um, Birmingham had just stayed up within their first season in the Premier League. So they, they come in for me. And, um, yeah, so I said, look, you know, thanks, but, but no thanks. Um, I'm going to go and, you know, have a, a better opportunity. Not that you, you never guaranteed to play, but I'd have a better opportunity to play at Birmingham than than trying to get in ahead of Van der Sar at Fulham. So that was the only reason I left. But then, yeah, um, went to Birmingham, um, had six fantastic years, and then um, the last two years, I'm, I'm knocking on now, late 30s, 39, 38, and uh, Joe Hart came in for a season. Ben Foster came in for the, for the my last season. And then the season that Ben was there, we got relegated again, and we had a we had a uh, Colin Doyle, um, a young keeper. They they still had him under contract, so because we got relegated to the Championship, they couldn't carry three goalies, only two. So my contract was finished then. So I was nearly forty then. So um, so yeah, that was me finished. Um, I had a year at Leeds, uh, about fourteen months at Millwall, nearly forty-two then, and then that, that was it. Called it a day. When you um, reflect on all of that, Mike, is there a, a moment that you can single out as the highest point uh, in that very uh, long career? Um, I mean, the, playing for Northern Ireland and, and the England game is, is, the, is the pinnacle of all that. Um, by, by miles, yeah. That was, um, that, that was the, the one game, obviously, playing against England, do you know what I mean? And, and, and how huge that is. Um, and my two boys being mascots on the night. Um, my, my eldest was seven at the time, never, ever heard of David Beckham. And my, <laughs> my brother-in-law was in the tunnel with the, with the girl that was looking after the mascots, and they had their hairs dyed green and the, the, the Northern Ireland kits on. <coughs> she said to my son, um, so do you want to come out holding David Beckham's hand? And he went, nah. And my brother-in-law went, yes, you do. Yes, you will <laughs> remember this one day. So he, that's my, that's my, my, um, my middle son, he came out holding my hand and then my eldest came out holding Bex's hand, yeah. So um, then to win 1-0 was just, was just off the scale, you know. So, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I remember around that time, was I think you beat Spain. That's right, Healy scored a hat The following year, yeah. Yeah, and so obviously, you know, all of that. Plus, you know, you just reading off some of the names of players that you played with. Obviously, I think Van der Sar probably will top the list, those goalkeepers. You say Hart, Foster... Other players you train with and been around playing for the likes of Sunes and Keane, you know what players they were before yeah. being in management. It's a very distinguished and, and you know star-laden career in lots of ways. I suppose just to kind of bring it back to the original topic, and it almost sounds like a silly question at this point. But where does that little short stint at Barnet rank amongst all of these great achievements, and how important was it to helping you get to where you did? I don't, I don't think I would have got, I would have had the career I'd had without being at Barnet and with Ray Clements. Um, for, for sure, you know, um, you have to start somewhere. Um, so many kids that come from these academies, from you know, even the you know the Chelsea's and all these, and, and they just fall by the wayside and, and disappear out the game, you know. So um, 
I think I had the drive um, and the, the obsession to do well, um, along with the guidance of, of Ray and, and learning from that. Um, you know, very, very fond memories of the 18 months that I had at Marnie were, were, were fantastic. You know, it was, it was just... It was just all I'd ever dreamed about was to be trying to try and be a professional footballer. You know, I'm sure nearly every kid probably feels the same. You know, um, and then and then and then, you know, in in my eyes, you know, we, we had the little bath there. It was disgusting at Barnet. <laughs> little bath there, but it it was it, it was just it was, it was I could I could have been at Old Trafford. Do you know what I mean? That's how I, that's how I felt about Barnet at the time. You know, it, it was irrelevant that. They were playing there, you know, in front of two and a half thousand people. It was, it was irrelevant. It was, it was. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a professional footballer, you know, and um, you know, and that's the way I kind of conducted myself in in in, in applying myself in in terms of training and, and and wanting to do well for for, for everyone involved. Fantastic. And, and I've, I've been back to the hive once, and uh, Tony Clanfoss kind of spoiled me a little bit, and I, I was actually um, scouting. Uh, for Northern Ireland and went, went to watch a game. I can't remember who I was watching at the time. Um, but, but yeah, he, uh, he kind of looked down the scouting list and saw my name and, and spoiled me and got, made me, made, got some food organised and everything else. And it was a great catch-up with him. Yeah, because he's, he's a top guy. He really means well and cares about the club, you know. And we, we've, we've been through your career and, you know, some of the players that have been mentioned, some of the occasions that have been mentioned, it's very much a who's who of, of football around that, that, that time. And clearly some of the stadiums that you've played in, both in this country and even across Europe with, with Northern Ireland, would, would be very much a where's where of stadia across, <laughs> across the continent. But Underhill, as a place, holds a lot of special memories for not only us as supporters, but a lot of players. I wonder yeah. if, um, you know, for you, if there's anything special about Underhill itself. I know you mentioned the bath there, but, you know, the stadium that we all know and we all love, you know, is there anything that you can reflect love, on with that ground? I love the downhill slope. <laughs> I, I hate you playing up against it. <laughs> Fair, yeah. If, if we were nil-nil playing playing downhill after the first half, we were in big trouble with second half. It was um, it was it was uh, probably intimidating a little bit for for the opposition coming to our stadium. You know, um, I, I just remember pulling up in the car and. Just getting so excited for 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 the for the day, and just couldn't wait to get get going. Um, pit, pitch was always was nice, you know. Um, I suppose that down the bottom end was uh, was a little bit messy because obviously all the, all the water had run down, you know. But um, it was uh, just just a you know two thousand people felt a lot of, a lot in a small stadium, you know. It was um, you know and, and they. The, just remember them getting behind us and everything else. Um, too much else. Just the office block in the corner. Um, yeah. yeah, but but the, the, the communal bath there, and the, the shower was dreadful. So we would jump in the bath, and it was um, and you you almost more dirty than than, than before. <laughs> then, you know, it was, uh, um, we used to get out and then, and then after shower quickly, and there's just one one shower there that just dripped the water out. Um, we'd have to jump in the shower before actually going back in the change room. So everyone used to dive in that bath, and then you know Ray Ray used to tell us the stories of you know Liverpool days winning winning all the, the trophies and all that, and they, they you know all the famous photos of them in the communal baths and all that, you know. Um, but now it's just a, it was just just felt it felt like I could have been at Anfield, I could have been at Old Trafford. You know what I mean? Because all brand new to me, I was a professional footballer, and um, you know it's. Uh, it was it was just 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 really incredible. So so fond of the time there. I can't I can't speak highly enough of it. Do you know what I mean? It, certain things, you know, they've, they've tried to move on and get better and move to this, you know, to the hive and everything else. Um, but then, you know, there's always going to be that pull to, towards Underhill. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, you know, look at West Ham now. Do you know what I mean? It's not as bad as that, but but the similar sort of thing. You know, people. You kind of grow up and you're sitting in the terraces and, and watching games and out of that place, and then you move somewhere else. It's just kind of you know you, you're being kicked out of your home. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's not uh, it's not easy to to accept, you know. But you know, I, I didn't go through that that period. Um, I left uh, Southampton when, when we were still at the Dell, and then they they moved to the to the New St Marys, you know. So 
I missed out on that. So I've not actually been there while, while it's all happened. Um, but um, no, it's, it's sad times, but um, but no, you, you, you try and do what's best, you know. Tony Clownfuss is trying to do his best and, and what he thinks, do you know what I mean? And, uh, and he really struggled with the pennies as, 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 as every club has, do you know what I mean? Um, even more so now, you know, so yeah. it's um, just one of them. Yeah, well, no, as you say, tough times certainly for fans, but it might be taking a lot of your time this evening. And we'd like to say yeah, thank you for all the good times you gave Barnett on the pitch, the times you uh, shared with us and reflected on your career. And obviously we wish you the best of luck in the times ahead at Walsall. Thank you very much. Cheers, lads. I'll take Robinson on. Most people would say I was mad. Oh!